0: Hello, hello. Welcome back to Lifelong Podcast. It's Heidi O'Brien here, and this is Lifelong Podcast, a show all about non-toxic living and longevity. And today I have a solo episode in store for you all. So basically, the world of nutrition is so overwhelming and nuanced these days, especially with social media, influencers all different forms of media in your face all the time, dangling a new diet, dangling new studies that are coming out, dangling clickbaity titles to draw the viewer like you in, and it can be so overwhelming. And as you know, one of my missions with Holistic with Heidi and Lifelong my main mission is to make non-toxic living easy and accessible for all. Under non-toxic living, there are so many different things, but one of the biggest things is nutrition. And if you didn't know already, my background is in holistic nutrition. I'm a certified holistic health and nutrition coach, so I definitely have a strong Opinion on food. I also have a lot of credentials behind understanding food. For my marketing work as well, a lot of my clients are within the healthy food space. So I am very immersed into the healthy eating and nutrition world. So that said, I thought, why don't I use today as an opportunity to really cut through all the BS and give you all some advice for eating healthy and saving some money while doing so. So today I'm going to go over why diet culture is really just a step in the wrong direction. I'm going to define food standards that really matter for health. I'm going to help you become a detective in the grocery store decoding food labels I'll teach you where to shop and how to save money on healthy groceries, and so many things in between. So with that, let's dive into the episode. Recently, I was flying back from a trip, and there were some little snafus with the traveling, delays, plane issues, and Needless to say, I wasn't able to sit by my husband. And I sat next to a stranger who also was having some travel issues that day. And we really bonded and commiserated over the traveling issue. Misery aside, it was so wonderful getting the opportunity to talk to this man. I don't know about you, but. I'm not always in the mood to talk to strangers on the airplane, but in this instance, I really enjoyed it. And I will say, I probably enjoy talking to strangers on planes more than the average human. As you can tell, I am a podcast host. I love interviewing people, I love talking to people, I love hearing people's stories. So it was really fun just getting to hear this guy's story. He was probably about my dad's age in a totally different industry than me actually in the political world. And he was super impressed by my background in holistic health and nutrition. And he was trying to learn more. He was telling me about how there's a family history in his family of some certain chronic diseases and cancer and things like that. And he was really curious coming to me asking me, you know, For someone like me that's not as aware of all the different health and wellness things, I'm not really educated on all the different things. Like, Heidi, what would be some simple tips for the average layperson like me? And in that moment, I gave him some advice. And one of the biggest pieces of advice I gave him was starting with nutrition and starting to read the food labels of what you were ingesting. So, that was kind of the little inspiration for this episode was this really wholesome conversation that I had on the airplane with this man about nutrition and his background was nowhere near mine. He was more into politics and he was curious about being healthier. So I think everyone, no matter where they are on this spectrum of health and wellness knowledge, I think everyone within them, there is a little bit of an intrinsic motivation to be healthier. Think about it from an evolutionary perspective. Think about it from just a nature perspective. We're designed to want to thrive. We're designed to survive as well. So some of the best ways to thrive is by making sure that we are nurturing our bodies with what it truly needs. Okay, moving on from that anecdote and right along over to another Thing that just drives me nuts. I remember when I first got started on this holistic health journey, which really started out with my nutrition, as some might call it, my diet. When I started out on this journey 10 years ago, 10 plus years ago, I went gluten-free, I was experimenting with dairy-free, and over the years, I kept playing with my nutrition or quote-unquote diet. In those early years, I remember people asking me about it from a weight perspective or making comments like, oh, you know, you look really great. What are you doing? Are you on a weight loss journey? And I'm like, I was never trying to lose weight to begin with. So thank you for making a comment about my weight. Super uncalled for. Just a little PSA to people out there. Don't make comments on people's weight no matter like what they weigh. But it was so weird because everyone was so darn caught up on healthy eating equating weight loss. And that's the only reason that anyone should care about eating healthy is to lose weight. When for me, I literally felt like shit every single day. I wanted to feel better. I didn't care about the weight loss. I didn't care about my weight to begin with. I literally wasn't concerned about my weight I was because cons- I was a healthy weight. I was concerned about why I didn't feel good. And I started making these tweaks in my diet and I noticed that I started feeling better. So can we just bust the myth of healthy eating has to be tied to weight loss? Sure, weight, l- weight loss might be a secondary effect but at the end of the day, don't we all just want to feel good? On a similar note, there was this another thing going on where if you were in the health and wellness world, if you're into holistic health and nutrition, people just assumed that you were vegan or vegetarian. Literally nine out of ten people would assume that I didn't eat meat and it drove me a little crazy. Yeah, there were periods of my life where I ate more plant-based, but it confused me that healthy living was equated to being vegan or vegetarian, and I think it came down to some of these wacky messaging within our society that would kind of push this message of, oh, to be healthy, you need to be vegan, and oh... If you want to eat healthy, the only good thing about that is that you might lose weight. When in reality, there are so many other ways to be healthy through nutrition, by eating animal products, by eating real whole foods from the earth, including literally animals. It just was something that drove me nuts. So I just wanted to kind of lay down some groundwork for today's episode with some of these myths about healthy eating. And the last thing on that note is diet culture. So diet culture is still a really big thing to this day. Oh my gosh, are you keto? Oh, are you doing carnivore? Oh, are you vegan? It's like that kind of stuff that just grinds my gears because I have never been someone to enjoy putting myself in a box and I think when you prescribe to a certain diet, so to speak, you're automatically putting yourself into, into a box and expecting yourself to fit all this criteria like everyone else that's right there in that same box. It's not a bio-individualized approach when you just start start subscribing to a certain diet. And I also think the mindset behind diet culture is totally off. And that hits my first point. Earlier, that I mentioned of healthy eating must be for just weight loss. Diet culture, a lot of times, is only focused on weight loss, and that is really detrimental. And you know that I am someone who advocates for being a healthy body weight. I'm not saying that weight loss shouldn't be a part of the conversation. But for many people, that is all they are focused on, and they could care less about how they feel on the inside. And diet culture is just not it. Super not into things like this because fats don't last. These things are not sustainable. I'm more attracted to sustainable lifestyle changes that last a lifetime. So I've always called it this is my nutrition, this is my lifestyle, this is how I prefer to live my life and, and eat. Which brings me into the next topic, which is defining my food standards. So over the years, my food standards have changed a little bit. My nutrition has changed a little bit. As I get older, as I absorb more knowledge, I try different things. I throw spaghetti at the wall and see what sticks. I like to be a guinea pig and try out different things. But I don't like trying the different diety things. I like experimenting with the latest and greatest research. You know, for example, a big trend right now is organ meats and game meats. So that's something I'm really leaning into. But five years from now, That might not be something that I want to lean into. Maybe there's some latest and greatest research coming out about a new plant compound that was discovered, and maybe I'll want to try that and put in my smoothie. You know, like, I am so open to change, and I think that is the difference between thriving and not, is staying open to what is out there. But I do have some principles for, and I think these principles have stayed Consistent throughout the year. So even when I was eating more plant based, again, not putting myself in that box, but when I was eating primarily p- plant based about five years ago, I was very focused on high quality ingredients. I was not eating mock meats, I wasn't eating these Franken foods. Instead, I was focused on real foods such as organic beans. Or organic produce versus these things that were produced in a factory. And today, while I am not primarily plant based, I still live by the same standards of eating real foods from the earth, not from a laboratory. I made a summarized list that I wanted to go over that might be helpful for you all when it comes to things to prioritize with a healthy diet. The first is real whole foods, homemade whenever possible, good fats, grass-fed meat, fresh raw dairy, focusing on quality ingredients, local and organic as much as possible, nutrient density, organ and game meats, diversity in the types of meat you're eating, making sure that it is grass-fed and finished or pasture-raised, and when it comes to seafood, making sure that it is fresh, wild-caught, and low in toxins. A little aside about fish, did you know that some fish are less toxic than others? It's best to eat fish lower on the food chain, as fish at the top of the food chain tend to accumulate higher levels of toxins like PFAS. Sardines, anchovies, salmon, and lake trout are all low-tox choices that I would prioritize. Now, let's talk about the other side of the spectrum. Let's talk about some foods that are wise to avoid. In general, ultra-processed foods, seed oils, and chemicals, and additives are not something that I encourage anyone to eat a lot of. More than 10,000 chemicals are allowed to be added into food, and many of these are neurotoxic, obesogenic, endocrine-disrupting, and carcinogenic. Some of those food additives to avoid include potassium bromate, nitrate and nitrite, propylparaben, food colorings, titanium dioxide, BHA, BHT, and TBHQ, aspartame, sucralose, artificial and natural flavors, and MSG. That was a rapid fire list, so I figured I would dive a little bit deeper into some of these red flag food additives. First one is citric acid. I encourage you to start reading the labels of the food that you are purchasing, especially packaged food. You're going to want to flip that package over, head over to ingredients, and start reading what is all listed in that packaged food. If you cannot pronounce it, chances are you shouldn't be eating it. Another thing here is to aim for products that have less ingredients. And also, you want to source, if you're eating packaged food, organic, certified as much as possible. But citric acid is one of these very common food additives. It's actually found in so many packaged foods, including the healthy ones. Citric acid is usually derived from mold, which is very concerning for those with the HLA-DR gene or those that are very sensitive to mold including myself, so I try to limit my exposure to citric acid in foods to the best of my ability given my sensitivities. Another sketchy food additive are natural flavors. These are so sketchy because they can have upwards of hundreds of chemicals or ingredients hiding behind the one term due to trade secrets, similar to how fragrance works in consumer products. This is a way that manufacturers can get away with hiding icky ingredients, and it makes food hyperpalatable and addicting. Another food additive to avoid, like the plague, are seed oils. You have heard of seed oils. I had Really Tan Man on my podcast last year. We did an episode about raw dairy and seed oils, and he dove super deep into this on a 45-minute episode, so I'll link that in the show notes. But in general, seed oils are these toxic oils like soybean oil, canola oil, grapeseed oil, rapeseed oil, safflower oil, and more that are all very high in omega-6 fats and PUFAs and are linked to inflammation, obesity, hormone imbalance, and chronic diseases. They have a very shady history as well. Quick history on seed oils. In 1911, candle William Proctor and James Gamble decided, had the invention of making soap and candles from hydrogenated cottonseed oil, but instead they decided to introduce it as a food item called Crisco. 1948, Procter & Gamble made a $1.5 million donation to the newly founded American Heart Association. A little over 10 years after that, in 1961, the American Heart Association advised the public to consume vegetable industrialized seed oils for a healthy heart. And in 2022, despite having industrialized seed oil consumption be the norm, heart disease is the leading cause of death in the United States. As you can tell by this simple history of how vegetable oils had their start in the food industry, you can see that there is a little bit of corruption with the money that the big food company donated to the American Heart Association to then have the American Heart Association come out and say, oh, These are the best oils for a healthy heart. Isn't that convenient? Another freaky fact about seed oils is that one tablespoon of soybean oil is equivalent to the estrogen in one birth control pill. So men, and women for that matter, but men in particular, if you were super concerned about your testosterone levels, about your sex drive, best you start getting rid of seed oils in your diet. You want to limit exposure to these additives and these oils that are wreaking havoc on your hormones. It is not good for your health. It's going to lead to chronic diseases. I'm not here to scare. I'm here to educate, and empower. You got this. There are so many alternatives. Some of my favorites are lard, tallow, olive oil, coconut oil, avocado oil. There are tons of good cooking fats out there just stay away from toxic seed oils. Again, to the best of your ability. I'm not crazy about it, but any chance I get to avoid, I definitely will because I'm just not interested in the inflammation and havoc that it causes to the body. Another food additive to avoid is high fructose corn syrup This sweetener is linked to obesity, diabetes, and heart disease, and it's often found in processed foods, especially sodas and juices. The next on the list to avoid or limit are artificial sweeteners. First and foremost, I have an entire episode dedicated to sugar and sugar substitutes. I'll link that in the show notes. But these sugar substitutes may have unintended health consequences, including altering gut bacteria and increasing cravings for sweet foods. Some of these examples of artificial sweeteners include aspartame, sucralose, and saccharin. In summary, it is super wise to start reading the ingredients of the food you are eating. Like I said, eating real whole foods from the earth is what I live by. It's what I encourage you all to live by to the best of your ability, again, not to cause stress in your life, but to start becoming aware that so that that you can make these little changes that over a lifetime create a huge impact. There are also some simple guiding questions for food choices that I live by. First is, was this food available pre-industrial revolution? Secondly, did my ancestors eat this food? Thirdly, how does eating this food make me feel? Lee, who is marketing it? When foods get bought out, I always pay attention to if anything changed ingredient-wise, and I keep in mind that standards usually get lower when big conglomerates buy out brands. It's not always the case, but you have to stay a watchful consumer. You can always email or call brands if you need more clarity. Something else is that most food tech startups invent new products because that is what is necessary for them to become monopolies, not because the food is healthy. So you're seeing all these health foods pop up that are super trendy and they're plant-based and they're gluten-free and they have this really beautiful, healthy-looking packaging. When in reality, you flip it over, you read the ingredients, you see that this is not certified organic. It's filled with pesticides, seed oils, junk additives. It's all marketing. And they're making tons of money off of this. So be a super watchful consumer. I can't encourage you to do so more. Like I said, many of these foods are also marketed as eco friendly or ethical or super healthy or gluten free. And It's just so important to realize that there are different standards for health based on just some catchy greenwashing marketing terms. So if you can really look into who is marketing the food and why, this will help you make better decisions for your nutrition and your overall health. A question I get a lot is, where do I shop? When I did my episode about Appeal, which I'll link in the show notes, that was one of the top performing episodes of last year, I shared some resources for where to shop and how to find foods that likely won't have traces of freaky coatings like Appeal and other new technologies unbeknownst to most consumers. So, I wanted to reiterate some of these places that I love to shop to find some really high quality ingredients. The first is Azure Standard. This is a great one-stop quote-unquote online shop where you can order super high quality ingredients and then they will do drop-offs in broader areas. So you might have to drive a little bit to go pick up your food, but you can do a huge bulk order and get super high quality ingredients and food of all sorts. Next are farmers markets. What's wild is that so many farmers markets these days are not even farmery. Like they're just selling trinkets and junk food. And I'm like, can we please bring back like farmers markets that are actually farmer focused? Thankfully, I know what farmers markets to hit up that are more farmer focused. And I think some of my, I know that a lot of my friends who are super into this lifestyle as well, they know like which farmer's markets to hit up, but you can find some gems. And on that note, you should really start befriending some of these farmers. Similar to farmer's markets, there are farm stands and farm stores. These are more common in cold climates, like where I live in Chicago. There are two that I love in the Chicagoland area broader Chicagoland area. First is Allgrass Farms. That's in Dundee, Illinois. So it's a little bit of a truck, but you can get raw dairy. You can get pasture-raised meats. You can get grass-fed meat. You can get produce. It is a one-stop shop. You can also get tallow for your skin. This is where I buy my favorite skincare tallow. And then there's another one in the Chicago northern suburbs called Village Farm Stand, and these are just two really great places to check out. No matter where you live, you can find options. It just takes a little bit of digging. If you need a little extra assistance, feel free to shoot me an email, Heidi at holisticwithheidi.com, and perhaps I can help you find one where you live. There are also something called CSAs, and these are little sharing programs tied to local farmers where you get a box of fresh produce on a regular basis. It might be a mystery of what you're getting, but you're getting the freshest, most seasonal produce and it's local. It's super delicious. I always say that this fresh CSA food tastes so much better than anything you'll get in the grocery store. I'm not perfect though. I do most of my shopping at the grocery store. I live in Chicago. A lot of the things that I need, especially in the wintertime, out of convenience. It's easier for me to go to the grocery store, so I do go to Whole Foods a lot. And there are some other options that I'm going to share in just a second for some discount stores, ways to save money. So definitely stick around for another few minutes to hear some ways to save money when shopping for healthy food. I can't emphasize enough the importance of cooking at home and the benefits of avoiding processed foods. This is almost a foundation for establishing a healthy lifestyle. It doesn't mean that you have to be perfect about it. It doesn't mean that you have to scratch cook every single thing and that you can't go out. That is not what I'm saying. I think that socializing and going out to eat and eating some seed oils and non-organic food is definitely warranted. In certain instances, especially for the social aspect, which is a really important component of health and well-being and longevity, but it's simple. Cooking at home is better for you. Being aware of every single ingredient is going to be better for your health. Maybe this is not realistic for you, but I'm just saying this is like the gold standard. It's something I am striving for I want to get to the point where I'm making my own like condiments. I'd love to make my own hot sauces and ketchups and do some pickling. I'm not at that level, but I fantasize at being at that level. And I know that that is the gold standard and like having my own garden and growing my own food. I would love to be there one day, but I'm not there. So those are some things that I love as their standard farmer's markets, CSA, farm stores, and the good old healthy quote-unquote grocery store. Since I mentioned my episode with Really Tan Man, I wanted to share a concept with you all that he shared that really resonated with me. It's the french fry example, which illustrates the impact of ingredients and cooking methods. He explains that there is no bad food when you're thinking of real foods. There are just bad ways to make it. In the french fry example, he says, think of one option where it's made from pesticide-ridden potatoes and fried in seed oils that are high in pufas that are highly inflammatory. It becomes a junk food. Option two is an organic potato that is cooked in regeneratively raised beef tallow, which is low in pufas and high in micronutrients. I love this because he shows that you can still eat food that tastes good. It's just good to be mindful of those ingredients and trying to optimize how we make that food. So I love knowing that I can still eat potatoes and meat and all these different things that quote unquote might not seem healthy but i know they are healthy because they're nutrient dense they are super high quality i source organic and local as much as possible and they're not filled with toxic food additives or inflammatory oils so eating healthy does not have to be one complicated or too disgusting seriously you can still eat homemade french fries guys just cook them in beef tallow and source some organic potatoes Okay, now let's talk about saving money on healthy food. Times are tough right now, you guys. Affordability and inflation is terrible. Like, There's no sugarcoating how crappy the economy is right now, how bad inflation is, how jacked up prices are. Going to the grocery store is feeling burdensome to many people. And people are suffering. And I know that at the end of the day, People just need to put food on the table. So I sympathize with that. I'm feeling it too. I think we're all feeling it. I figured, why don't I share a few practical tips for saving some money, even though eating healthier can sometimes be a little bit more expensive, but I look at it as an investment in my health and also from a nutrient density perspective. For example, buying a grocery cart filled with tons and tons and tons of of junk food, non-organic produce versus a grocery cart filled with grass-fed meats, raw dairy, no junk food, fresh produce, and you have one person eat the first cart and you have another person eat the second cart. While both people might be getting the calories that they need, the second cart of food is going to provide more nutrient density, so actually more bang for your buck. You can essentially eat less and get more nutrients out of it, but I understand that's so much easier said than done, especially in a society where there are deeper rooted issues to to food and food scarcity and how big food has really taken advantage of lower income populations by having increased advertising in those areas and getting people hooked from a young age and addicted from a young age and having food stamps really be prioritized for brands associated with big food. So it's tricky and it's complicated. It's super messy. There's not a clear-cut solution and it's hard for me to even talk about because I get like this heavy feeling in my chest of like damn I wish I I had a true solution to this very complex problem But I do have a few tips because I myself like to save money and I also really enjoy eating healthy and I see it as an investment into my health, kind of like a Roth IRA or a retirement savings account that earlier you start, the better it will be in the future. So some tips that I have include buying in bulk, love Costco, hitting up some discount stores. There is Aldi, there's Misfits Market, you can get a Thrive subscription. I know in some states there's a store called Grocery Outlet and you can find organic options in that store, in those stores. You can also find grass-fed and finished beef at Aldi for a really good price. Another idea is buying frozen organic if you can't afford fresh organic. Fresh is obviously better, but frozen organic is going to be better than fresh conventional because you're not going to be exposed to those harmful pesticides that are linked with cancer and chronic illness. Another idea is to join a CSA. CSAs are actually super affordable. I mean, it will all vary on the CSA that you join, but they are generally very cost effective. You pay a like a monthly fee or a weekly fee it depends on the csa that you join and you essentially get boxes of fresh produce that is locally sourced and it's super delicious so really good way to source food and to save some money also if you can befriend those farmers or find ways to cut out the middleman you'll be able to increase your savings as well Lastly, this one I think hits the hardest, but it's really reevaluating your budget and looking to see where you can maybe lighten up your budget in different areas so that you can put a little bit more towards healthier eating and investing into your health as a whole. So anyways, sucks. Food is expensive. No matter if it's healthy or not, prices have been rising but I hope some of these tips on saving some money are helpful. I myself am living by these little tips just to save some money. And yeah, that's the episode for today. My no BS guide to eating healthy and saving money on groceries. Hope you all enjoyed this episode. Be sure to share with a friend who might enjoy. And with that, I will see you all next week. Thanks. One more thing before you go. Are you subscribed to Lifelong Podcasts? Have you left a rating and review? Are you following along on Instagram at Lifelong underscore pod and at Holistic with Heidi? If you're not doing so already, consider doing it to support our show and to help spread this message near and far. Thank you all, and we'll see you next week.